Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, last week I said I would wear shorts, but I did not. I upped it a little bit, actually, put on a little jacket. Uh, so you're welcome. And, and this was the jacket I wore for Michaela and I's wedding, and I put it on. I was like, oh my goodness. Man. I'm going to have to start sucking in a little bit or something. My goodness. All, too much Arkansas cooking, huh? Yeah. Anyway, now, a, little, a few notes before I get into the sermon. Um, we, we did have some friends with us. They were here for class, Liz and Will, but she hasn't been feeling well, so they're not here right now, so uh, they're not too sure what's going on, so keep her in your prayers. But they were here. They've been here with us for a few days, and so uh, keep them in your prayers for safe travels and whatever's going on, they figure that out. Uh, another thing that I, what was it? Sometimes I forget. Oh, my goodness, I had something else. Oh, yes. Uh, wow, how did I forget about this? I'm the one who's writing this. Uh, we're starting a new series, uh, a sermon series, and I entitled it Too High Philippi, you know, because it got a nice little ring to it. Kind of cheesy, I know, but uh, we're, we're going to be in Philippians for the next several weeks or so, so that, uh, that's the series we're going to be in. And as mentioned, Michaela and I will be going to a wedding. Uh, it's a couple that we met at the church camp. Actually, we've known them for quite some time. We've mentored them a little bit, and so you know, it, it was kind of necessary that we'd be there uh, since we've known them for a while. And I, I know we've been gone quite a bit this summer, but hopefully this would not be the norm. You know, maybe at most two times in the summer we'd be gone, but, uh, you know, it's been kind of busy. It's a busy summer. And so that being said, before we get into the sermon, let's go ahead and pray. God, you are good and you alone are good. Lord, we are, are mindful of uh, many things that are going on in our world. There, there's tragedy everywhere. There's lives being lost. Lord, there are people dealing with grief. There are people de- dealing with depression. There are people dealing with all sorts of uh, illnesses, whether it be mental illness or whether it be physical illness. Lord, we pray for your healing. We pray for your comfort. Lord, it, it, it's not easy. It's tough. Lord, there are a lot of people who are going through some serious things, so give them your comfort. Give them your grace. Give them your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, one thing that's obviously already been established since I've been here is that I'm a Texan. Right? I'm from Waco, Texas. and Now, admittedly, I, I do have this Texas pride, right? and sometimes this Texas pride can become a little inflated. Now, now here's an example of this. So, when I was applying for jobs uh, this past spring and early last, I mean, late last fall, admittedly, I only looked in Texas. I'm, gonna, I'm being completely honest with you all right now, you know, I only looked in Texas, and it even got to the point where I said to myself, word for word, I don't think God wants me, wants me to be in Arkansas. Now, th- this is me being honest with you. I-, I seriously said this, I seriously thought this, and this was at a time where, you know, I was kind of tired of being at Harding, I was kind of tired of being in Searcy, so that was kind of an influence, but I thought this to myself. My, my, my Texas pride became a little inflated, I... I thought too highly of my Texan citizenship. And now maybe you can relate to this a little. Maybe you have deep Arkansas pride. Maybe you have deep American pride. Now let me ask you a question, though. Is pride necessarily a bad thing? Now, a a good answer that I think is a good answer is it can be. Pride can become a bad thing. You see, uh, the pride that is talked about in Scripture negatively has more to do with arrogance. When people think more highly of themselves than they ought, when people think more highly of their accomplishments, uh, somebody else's accomplishments, their nationality, their citizenship, when they think of these things more highly than they ought, when they value these things too much, when these things become our priority, then pride becomes sinful. But pride as we generally define it, 
uh, taking pleasure in your accomplishments, others' accomplishments, maybe your nationality or citizenship. It's not necessarily a bad thing, just as long as it takes a back seat to God. You see, there's nothing in this world, nothing earthly should be prioritized over your relationship with God, your nationality, your accomplishments, others' accomplishments. Nothing should take priority over your relationship with God. And now there's a people in the Bible, the Philippians. See, they deal with this issue. Uh, They have an issue of maybe becoming too prideful. Uh, They relish in their new found earthly citizenship. So turn with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 1 through 11 today. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Verses 1 and 2 say this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Servants of Christ Jesus. Now, see, one thing I want you to know about this greeting that Paul has here, it's a little different than the rest of his greetings. See, this is the only time where Paul exclusively refers to his servanthood. The other times, it's either Paul an apostle or Paul an apostle and servant, but here in Philippians, he only refers to his servanthood. Why? Well, see, I think it has to do with what Philippi is going through right now. See, Philippi, it became a Roman colony. And they, they got the rights that Roman citizens would have. And so they began to value their Roman citizenship too much. They really enjoyed being served by the state rather than serving others. And so one thing Paul wants to make clear is that, no, 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 no. You might like being served by the state. Uh, you might like all the benefits you have as a Roman citizen. But guess what? The first thing you should be uh, focused on is your servanthood. No, 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 you're not the one being served. You're the one who's supposed to be serving, just like me. Paul, I, a servant of Christ. Paul wants them to realize what they're meant to be. Verse 3 says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Now here's a serious question. It really is. Would Paul speak of Mineral Springs Church of Christ in this way? Would he say, I I thank you, God, because I remember Mineral Springs Church of Christ. I thank you, God. Now, I I know what you may be thinking. Well, I I can think of some people who don't think that. I can think of some people who don't thank God because they remember us for whatever reason. And another question I want to ask, what are we remembered for? What is Mineral Springs Church of Christ remembered for? See, let me tell you what really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. People, you know, they might, oh, Mineral Springs, they had a great church service. They had a a great church building. They had a great preacher. You know, if you want to think that, you can, but that's up to you. Um, You know, those things in the grand scheme of things don't really matter. Those things don't matter. First and foremost, what people should think of us, what people should remember is those people are servants. They are servants of Christ Jesus. They live like Christ. They serve like Christ. They love like Christ. They are servants of Christ Jesus. Yeah, they can remember whatever, you know, the church building, the the preacher, the, the church service, they can remember that. But if they do not remember that we are servants of Christ Jesus, we are doing something wrong. Speaking of which, 
I, I can't forget this. I need to read this all to you. This is a letter from the, uh, the residents at the Village Apartments. It's a thank you letter. And they say, Dear Christian brothers and sisters, Yesterday, as usual, that was about a week ago, or two weeks ago, as usual, your generous nature blessed us with our dinners and 50-pound boxes of non-perishable foods, rice, beans, milk, canned goods, etc. Your constant gifts to us remind us that Jesus' uh, that 11th commandment is still remembered by his faithful believers. This brings up the question, what would, happened, what would have happened in this new American Republic if the parents and teachers have reminded our children every day that Jesus gave us a new commandment, that ye love one another? Then, if we have followed up with an action question, how can you show love to your brothers and sisters, your classmates, your neighbors, to strangers? The children would have invented on the spot dozens of ways to implement Christ's command. It is never too late to do good things. Thank you for your demonstrations of Christ's love for all humankind. And then it's signed by the residents. And so I bring this up to brag a little. I'm really, I, it's kind of weird to say, you know, I'm 22, I'm a young preacher, but I'm proud of you all. Uh, y'all have already made an impact. There, there are people who have been affected by you all positively. They, they've received service. You have served others. And they remember you because you are servants of Christ Jesus. That is what we should be remembered for. See, uh, the, the, the numbers, the, the, the service, the, the preaching, the, the songs are all insignificant if we do not serve others. And so Paul writing to the Philippians, he wants to make one thing very clear, that we are servants of Christ Jesus. Let's move on to verse 4. So he thanks God and all his remembrance of them, and then verse 4 says this, Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. Now, I, I'm going to brag about this too. I really have had a joy for praying each, for each and every one of you. I really have. I, I've gone through the, the bulletin. I've gone through uh, the church directory, and I, I've been intentional about praying for it. Now, listen, as a minister, I ought to be doing that. So I need you all to hold me accountable, okay? There's not a single minister on earth who is truly being a minister if they do not pray for the congregation. It brings me joy to pray for you all, to pray that you would know Christ to pray that you would become servants, true servants of Christ Jesus. It brings me joy to pray for you all. And so for Paul, it brings him joy to, to pray for them. And then in verse 5, it says this. So it brings him joy to pray for them, verse 5, because of your partnership and the gospel from the first day until now. Now here's specifically why Paul feels joy for praying for his congregation, because of their partnership in the gospel. Oh, I think we've had a great partnership so far. I've already highlighted that y'all have been serving other people, and that's good. We need to continue to do that. We need to do more of that. We've had a great partnership. Now, I've also got to remind you, a partnership is a two-way street. There is no such thing as a partnership without two or more people. Right? We need each other. Now, maybe a good way to think about this is to uh, just think of a business partnership. Right? In a business partnership, uh, two or more people or two or more companies that combine resources to make more profit or business. Right? Uh, so businesses, they have this understanding that we're better together. Of course, that, that falls apart in some ways, because I, I don't want us to think that we should operate just like a business, obviously not. But you get the idea. We are better together. You see, together we are more effective in God's kingdom. There's a reason we're described as the body of Christ. 
You know, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. The hand cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you. We are better together. We need each other. We need to be the body of Christ to be effective in God's kingdom. Verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, hopefully you can follow me here. See, there is no good work without having first received the good news. Now, I think the good work he's referring to here in this passage in verse 6 is the partnership in the gospel. Right? Their partnership in the gospel. Now, obviously, there is no partnership in the gospel without having first received the gospel. Teachers, there is no good work without first receiving the good news. Okay? Continue on in verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. It is right for him to feel what way? Well, it's that assurance he just spoke of in verse 6, the assurance that he who began a good work in them will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He has this assurance. But why does he feel this way? Why does he have this assurance? He says it in verse 7, because they partake of grace with Paul. See, church, we all have an opportunity of uh, partaking of grace. We all have a chance to partake of grace. And you can be sure, if you partake of grace, that the work God began in you will be completed at the day of Jesus Christ when he returns. Key word, if you partake of grace. That good work will not be completed if you do not partake of grace. The partnership in the gospel will not happen if you do not partake of grace. Now notice something interesting about verse 7 also. I'm going to read it again. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. Now here it is. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. In his imprisonment. Paul understands that he partakes of grace in his imprisonment. Do we have this mindset See, Paul, no matter his situation, whether he is out there defending the gospel, whether he's out there evangelizing, whether he is not in prison, he understands that he partakes of grace. And when he is in prison, he understands that he partakes of grace. Do you have this mindset that no matter your situation, no matter where you are, no matter how tough life may be, do you understand that you partake of grace? Verse 8. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. The affection of Christ Jesus. See, this affection that Paul's referring to, it's deep affection. It has to do with compassion, deep compassion, the affection of Christ Jesus. He has this for the Philippians. Do we have this for each other? This deep compassion, this deep affection, do we have this for each other? And maybe you parents obviously should feel this way for your children. You spouses, you should feel this way for your spouse. I have this deep affection. I have this deep compassion. I, I want the best for you. I want what is good for you. I want the best for you. Do you have this deep, deep compassion? A compassion that is kind of hard to describe. That is what Paul is saying here. I have this deep compassion that's indescribable. The compassion, the affection of Jesus. Verse 9. And it is my prayer. There's that word again. He said it quite a few times. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. 
She just got done talking about affection, compassion. Right? And obviously in love, we have this affection, we have this compassion, we, we feel something, but not just an affectionate love. Not just a love that feels something, but a love defined by knowledge and all discernment. See, I could imagine that some of the Philippians, they were not too discerning with their love. They began to love the wrong things. They began to love their prosperity. They began to love their citizenship. They began to love earthly things. Are you discerning? Do you, do you love with knowledge, or are you just loving with a feeling? Now, I want you to know that all three of those things are very important. We ought to love with affection. We ought to love with feeling. We ought to also love with knowledge and all discernment. Verse 10. So that, so here's why you have this love defined by knowledge and all discernment. Verse 10. So that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So why have this love defined by all knowledge and discernment? So that you may approve what is excellent, what is superior, what is better at the day of Jesus Christ. See, anything earthly pales in comparison to what is heavenly. Godly things are always superior to worldly things. And as you see in the the text here, by approving what is excellent, what naturally follows? He says purity and blamelessness. And this purity and blamelessness, it's actually defined in verse 11. So verse 11 says this, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I think this fruit of righteousness is synonymous with the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? I think this is what the fruit of righteousness is. And now, this fruit is a natural result of what we just read in verses 1 through 11. A natural result of what? Well, it's a natural result of partaking of that grace. That fruit is a natural result of being a partner in the gospel. And notice something very important in verse 11 again. So, it says... Filled with the fruit of righteousness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Filled with that fruit that comes through who? Jesus Christ. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of righteousness, is not of your own. You do not bear this fruit on your own. You, You cannot boast in this fruit because guess what? It comes through Jesus Christ and it only comes through him. You do not bear this fruit apart from anybody else except Jesus Christ. And so why do any of this? Why partake of grace? Why partner in the gospel? Why bear this fruit? Notice something, again, very important about verse 11. The latter half, it says, to the glory of, or to the glory and praise of God. You bear this fruit, you partner in grace, you partner in the gospel to the glory and praise of God. 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And we know what Paul's saying there. Whatever you do in life, anything you do in life, eating, drinking, living, just living in your everyday life should be to the glory of God. So partaking of grace, partnering in the gospel, bearing this fruit is to the glory of God. And let me leave you with this. See, there is no partaking of grace without Christ having 
offered it. There's no partnership in the gospel without Christ having preached it. So you can come partake of grace. You can come partner in the gospel to the glory of God.